Hello, good people, and welcome once again to the Troublemakers Podcast. I'm very excited for y'all to listen to what we have today. Um, this is going to be another episode that I have to split into two parts. This is starting to seem like a theme for us. Like we just get these really great discussions, and they just overflow. Like we plan, like oh, we're only going to talk about this for like 30 minutes, and then someone says something and triggers a thought. Like, it's just so much fun, and that definitely happens with this one. So make sure listen to this first part where we're going to be kind of speaking a little bit about um, what it is to be um, authentic and walking in authentic self like this is this episode is all about what we hope and believe that the church can be today and it's really a powerful discussion so please listen to this one and make sure that you subscribe and that you're looking out for part two which will be dropping next week because I, I really believe that both parts are going to make this uh, such a beautiful whole and I want to hear your thoughts I want to hear your comments so once again even as you're listening if you can just jot something down you can record a voice memo so that you can put it into a discussion on our site or on instagram or on facebook or on twitter i really want to see these conversations going y'all so without further ado here we are episode two troublemakers podcast thank you for joining us let's do it So off the top, I always like to ask, you know, a silly question. Now it's time for silly questions with the troublemakers. And silly questions with Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the show. When Jason comes out no, and asks and silly a, a silly question. The <laughs> water buffalo. That's all what oh, way too much veggie tails. <laughs> Listen, I have five kids. Uh, the veggie tails is a staple in my house. Yo, I feel it. <laughs> I know that they got Veggie Tales in the house too on Netflix. Yes, I yes. actually don't like it, but I like it for them. Yeah, I get it. It's not as it's not as but you know we're always like that with our stuff. The right, stuff from back it's in the day the was same. just better. Like it was better it quality, was. better songs. Like they went in. <laughs> they did. True story. So I still showed you the stuff, my two-year-old stuff from like the '90s, like Bible Breaks. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's it's how I learned the books of the Bible. Hey. <laughs> and it's like, you know, early 90s, like, little kid Christian hip hop. <laughs> hey. at, here, here I am learning the books of the Bible through Pathfinders, right. and she's doing Oh, Bible no. Breaks. I knew all 66 books before, like, I started school. Yo. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is, and I, I knew I how to spell all of them too. in third grade. By third grade, wow. I could spell all of them. Yeah. You got me good. beat. Right. My yeah, parents good. were on it when I tell you, like. <laughs> I was delayed. I, I was coming to Oakwood, like, I got to get this down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo. All right. All right. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's good. All right. So, my question today is what is, who was your favorite, I mean, your first, I'm going to start that again. Who was your first cartoon crush? Um, I'm going to say it was Princess Jasmine. I really, okay. I'm not sure, but I think I watched Aladdin a bit too much and it wasn't for Aladdin. <laughs> I'm almost certain. <laughs> I was like, run it back, run it back, run it back. Let me. <laughs> right, like, hold on. Go back on that magic carpet just one more time. <laughs> Step on it slowly for me, please. That, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Princess Jasmine. 
Yeah, you know what? Now that you now you said that, you've kind of, you may have thrown mine off. Now I'm like, you know what? I kind of remember. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, she was she was a little daddy. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> okay, okay. All right, Carl. What about you? So initially, I thought it was Josephine Dreams. Right, but I remember that. I feel like there's some variation of Jesus. Okay. That was super cute, but okay. then also Moses from Prince of Prince of Egypt. So that predates Joseph. That's Moses right. and Ramesses were fine, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> especially once Ramesses got rid of that little half braid, whatever situation uh-huh. was going on, and Moses got rid of the wig, and he just had he was rocking the the, the bush. Oh yeah, like so, so grown Moses and Ramesses were. And, and and I heard Jason say that's true, so oh. I guess they were fine. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I heard him. Don't think that went under the radar, uh, Jason. I, I heard he said, you. We're recording this, bro. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's okay, Jason. That that is okay. Listen, man, I can appreciate. Right. All right, that's all I'm. Saying. <laughs> Nothing wrong with appreciating. Oh, man. Nothing cool. wrong with appreciating. I appreciate Jasmine. There we yeah. go. I like Mulan better, personally. Oh, yeah, Mulan. Yeah, no, I we said first, that. though. We said first, though. First. Mulan was down the line. Absolutely. She though. was. She was. <laughs> well, not down the line for me. Oh. I was Jasmine, I think, not predated me, but she yeah. <laughs> was real early. It <laughs> was pretty early. That is, that's like old. 93, bro. I feel old. Yeah, I was only three. You know what? Funny story before we start this, right? So uh, when I was younger, my dad used to buy bootlegs. Yeah. But I didn't know they were bootlegs. So for a long time, I thought movies came with the audience laughing and the shadows that would come up on (laughs) the screen. I thought... I thought that was normal. I thought that's how all movies came. So, so my first time seeing Aladdin was a bootleg. So when yeah. I saw the, the Aladdin without the bootleg, I was like, where's the audience? Like, what's, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's missing? Yo, which what? I feel the same way, though. I was like that for The Lion King. Like, <laughs> the first version. And I watched it over and over. And I saw the real one. I was like, this is different. Right. Yeah. The man standing when Rafiki holds up. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I feel that way about? Mm. The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. You had because the for the version? longest, we had the TV recorded version. So not even the bootleg. It was like, first of all, not the whole thing. And then every few whatever, there was like a commercial interruption. So I had like all the commercials memorized and stuff. And so watching the whole thing all the way through for the first time, I'm like... What is this? <laughs> Madonna's ain't showing up in this one. Like. Right. And to actually see the ending. So like my dad accidentally recorded a basketball game over the ending. So like <laughs> as watching it on Sabbath, as Moses is like going up to, to die on Mount Sinai and he's, you know, low. Like I will be, you know, saying his goodbyes. He turns to walk away and it's like, so someone's always running down and <laughs> like just completely, completely transition. <laughs> that is hilarious. And my parents are like scrambling to turn it off because it's Sabbath and we're not Sabbath, That's right. Basketball. And if I watched it on Sabbath, I had to fast forward through all the commercials. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's a heart attack. Oh, wow. So we're sitting there watching it. 
<laughs> Our kids don't like, have any versions of this. No, everything no. is digital for them. Bootlegs are. Do you even do they have bootlegs now? Like bootlegs. This bootlegs, but this digital download. So it's not yeah. the same. You know what I'm saying? Like people have like the legit movie now, right? Yep. That you can just torrent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's bootlegging. It's just illegally downloading. Yo, I remember trying to record stuff on TV though. Like waiting to the right time, hitting the button on the VHS thing. Yo. Oh man. Or trying to set like timers and stuff too. Yeah. Even like once you had DVR recording, you remember to like yeah. and even then like you're recording commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. All the commercials. You can fast forward through right. them they're there. Like. Right. Wow, you have to fast forward through. That is like yes. next level Adventist. That's it like is. y'all man. y'all haven't no. died in the yeah. world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was good. I like this, y'all. <laughs> okay, so um, our conversation today is really kind of centering centering around the idea. Last time the three of us came together, we were talking about why people are leaving the church. And that was a great discussion. But one thing that's always important to do is not just talk about the criticism that we have towards how church is today, but dreaming and trying to find how church can be. And I remember, matter of fact, I think it was law. You may have been the first person who said this to me. Because when I was first kind of planting a church out here, I had a lot of people in my group who were mainly just focused on criticizing the way that church is. And what I found is that that really can only, that steam runs out pretty quickly. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much hatred that you're going to get out and then you just kind of petered out and then that's done. But it's people who are trying to dream towards what is it that I hope church can be? What is the brighter tomorrow that I'm trying to search for? I feel like those are the type of people to plug into to really build something powerful with. Now, both of you all are very much active in trying to make this a reality like right now like y'all have ministries that are building this so that's why i think that y'all are perfect for this conversation so share with us what is like your dream scenario to say this is what church can be in 2020 21 decades whatever break it down to me that's a big question i'll go first yeah ladies first Oh, you want me to go first? Okay. Um, Unless you want me to go first. You want me to go first. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still a gentleman. I believe now. (laughs) Okay. So then I will go first. So, um, in, so ministry was interesting, um, because I actually got the idea to, I got the idea to start my own, or the, the desire, the vision, back when I was at Oakwood. I was in college oh, wow. still. This is like 2011, 2012. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, there was just literally like a, a vacant vision. I had no idea how that would ever be a thing. I just knew. At the time, I was still Adventist and stuff like that, so it wasn't even like an independent ministry idea as much as it was just wanting to be involved and to, you know, meet whatever needs I thought were needed to be met. Um, but then, you know, as my journey evolved, so did my idea of what I, my vision of what I wanted to do. And so like around, I want to say 2018, I was pregnant and um, I was just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, like what my next steps are and what I wanted to do. And, um, my husband was just like, well, he was my fiance at the time. He's like, you know, I think, you know, you should focus on your ministry if that's what you said you wanted to do. Like, you know, this would be the time to try to do something. And so I bought website space and 
bought a domain name. <laughs> Initially, it was out of the ashes ministry because I had this idea of like, you know, Phoenix and beauty mm. for ashes and coming up out of the, you know, the, the, the flames and ashes of what used to be to something new. Um, and I tried to like work on it, but it still felt like sticky. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that wasn't my target audience, but I didn't know how to target my audience and still stay true to Hawaiian. Um, and so I just kind of like let it sit because I couldn't, the idea, the concept wasn't coming together. And then about a year ago, things just kind of converged all at once in the right way. So my dad, um, and it's a long story that I won't get into now, but um, my dad and our home church, my dad wasn't Seventh-day Adventist, but he was still at our Seventh-day Adventist church. And we were selling the building and the conference instead of giving us money from the sale to get another building and do our own church was taking all of the money. And they told the members to just go somewhere else, basically. And my dad didn't want to do that. And you know, waiting for the right time to leave. And he was like, this is the time I'm going to start my own thing. And I was like, well, I've been wanting to start a ministry, so let's do it together. And it was at that point that we started trying to conceptualize again. And I was thinking about agape love and just Googling agape and stumbled across them. And it being this idea that from an ideological level, it's a, it's, it's in in actual, I guess, ideology, essentially for love to be the highest moral imperative. And that's what gave me the idea for the One World Church. And so on a grand scale, I would love for there to be a Buddhist One World Church, a Hindu One World Church, a Muslim One World Church. Um, I, I wanted something that left room for anyone who believes anything to be able to come under the banner of the culture that we're creating, um, not just to, you know, practice their own beliefs, but to be able to have exposure to people who believe in a safe environment so that we can all learn and grow and, you know, take the best of what each religion or ideology has to offer. Um, and you know, just have the opportunity to incorporate whatever we feel fits into our own ideological frameworks and not, I was very intentional about leaving room and not establishing a set of doctrines Mm. because I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if you have kind of like a foundational thing, so for us, the foundation is obviously love. That's the one rule. Um, and everything else kind of stems from that. And it's it's just protecting space. Mm. It's it's not speaking, in, being intentional about not speaking in absolutes, not drawing conclusions for people, um, but giving people the tools to be able to figure out what they believe for themselves. Mm. Giving them the tools to be able to seek God and journey um, with the support and encouragement of a community that is not pressuring them to conform to any specific thing um, and, and leaving room for things like accountability and all that, like group accountability and all that stuff, but not being presumptive, not being aggressive, um, you know, just leaving space. Um, and 
I think that that has kind of, um, you know, it, it having just that foundation, it's easy, I think, to figure out what needs to happen in practice. You know, like, you don't, it, everything varies depending on the group, right? Um, but that's the point. <laughs> it's like, whatever your group is, you can tailor, you know, what works for you to that um, while still keeping with the overall message um, and, and goal of the, the church as a whole. Um, and so like our order of service and just how we deal with each other, um, it, all of that reflects that. So I would say like my, my overall vision is to um, just have people from all walks of life and beliefs and backgrounds having space reserved for them to be who they are and believe what they believe and to find like-minded individuals. Um, in the larger context of a community whose bottom line is the same and just kind of trusting, this is something I've been speaking about this month, um, but just kind of trusting that God is working, you know, in whatever way God sees fit with all of these people ultimately to, I believe, bring us all on one accord and not presuming what that's supposed to look like and not presuming that any one group has a monopoly on the, the path that needs to be taken to get there, trusting that God is working in all of us mm. to get us to where God ultimately wants everyone to be. Yeah. Whew. That's powerful. So it feels like a lot of effort here is kind of put into like, I guess removing a lot of the judgment that people will usually have one, you know, like one to another to say like, well, you're not on my wavelength. I'm not on your wavelength. So that makes me, me right and you wrong. You're essentially kind of creating a space where it's like, we're going to remove that judgment so we don't have to have division here. We can just be united, <laughs> like literally kind of be united. And just understanding that everyone's journeying differently. You know, like, I I think that's biblical. Like, if you look at the story, I've talked about the story of Peter and Cornelius, like, the two people journeying differently, but their journeys ultimately brought them to a convergence. Um, and, and I think this idea that only one group has the right way, um, it prohibits that. Like, you're, you're not able to see how God can and is, how God can be and is working in the lives of other people. And I think it takes you know, the power out of God's hands in people's minds. It's not that that's actually happening, but taking the power out of God's hands in people's minds to be able to bring everyone together because in their minds, whether it's conscious or unconscious, it's that's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now this is, it's deep. And, and, and it's like, I also, I see how, how you know what I'm saying? A traditional organization would be so terrified of that because if, mm-hmm. you, if you can't control your people, you know what I'm saying? Like if you don't have a standard to bring in, then yeah, how do you control your people? <laughs> but we do have a standard. Right. And, and you do have a standard, that is true. Yeah. Right, and, and love, and I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna let Lawrence talk, but <laughs> love, I think people fundamentally don't understand love as a principle. And I think that that is the overarching issue here. Um, every time love is brought up, it, it's from my experience when I see it, every time love is brought up, there's a caveat. Love is the exception to the rule rather than the fulfillment of the law. And I think if you understand love as a principle, if you understand love as the fulfillment of the law, then what that looks like on a practical level is very simple. And what that looks like in terms of 
living a right life, and I use that term loosely, but a right life, I think, I think it's it's pretty clear. Um, and I think it's because people have not been willing to take that journey, mm. because people have not been willing to understand theology through the lens of love, and because people, I believe, on a fundamental level, don't really believe that God is unconditional love. I don't, I don't, I think people say that they believe that, but I don't think on a practical level that is what that's not what happens in practice. Like that belief does not translate to practice. It's like people say God is love, but that doesn't what they do. I um, mean, I think because of all those things, because, and because people have egos and pride in ourselves, let me just keep it real because there's all this internal stuff going on and they can't see themselves. I think Christians have a profound lack of self-awareness because all of that stuff is going on. You haven't experienced the unconditional love of God. Mm. And so you don't have the compassion and the patience and the empathy that it takes to be able to be in a community of people who are different from you, who see things differently from you and not feel threatened. And the other part of that too is people not being confident enough in what they believe to not feel insecure when those beliefs are challenged. I think if you know, if you know what you believe, um, you're, you're okay with being challenged because it's, I think you're, or I shouldn't say if you know what you believe, you're secure in what you believe. You're okay with being challenged. One, because you know what you know, but the other side of that is if by change challenge does, you know, reveal something that maybe you hadn't thought about or maybe you didn't know, you understand that this is room to grow. It's not a bad thing for my beliefs to be challenged. It's not a bad thing for me to reconstruct what I thought I knew and my ideological framework to account for this new information and to change my views on something. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing if someone you know shows me how I was wrong and now I can move forward with new information and be, you know, like, and I think because that's not happening, in other circles and because people think it can't happen because they're not experiencing and they're not journeying in that way and they're not taking that on. Um, it sounds crazy, you know, like love, like it's not enough to yeah. say that that mm. love is the rule. Right. But it's because you, it's because you haven't experienced it and because you haven't done it, um, that it's hard for you to, to, to live it. Um, but my family and I specifically have been through the fire, um, together as a collective, and so we're not speaking about this from, you know, some abstract up in the air kind of thing. It's like we can say what it looks like on a practical level because we've lived it mm. in a very concentrated and difficult situation for all of us. Um, and so it's like it's simple. It's simple because we, we walked it. Um, and our goal is just to, you know, empower others to be able to take that journey for themselves so that they can do it as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, all right, I'll go next. That was really, really beautiful, though. And um, I do, I want to start off first by kind of dealing a little bit with uh, what I believe church was supposed to be. Mm. Um, Because what we call church now, um, because the word church has a lot of linguistic history that I won't go into now. But what we call church, now come from that word ecclesia. Um, the word church didn't exist when Christ was here. That was, mm-hmm. it was formulated through time. Yeah. Ecclesia well, was to re- represent the called out ones. And the idea mm-hmm. was uh, 
um, I was once walking in darkness and now I am walking in light. And so all the people who were coming together um, were coming together saying, yes, that's me. Like we all share that same testimony of I was walking in darkness and now I'm walking in the light. Mm. And so when they would come, that was the church, you know, for, for what we would call the church. And so everything they did, they did from the position of what glues us together is our common testimony. Mm. We were in the darkness and now we're in the light. And so how we live in the light can vary, but you know, the point is we were, we were in the darkness, we're in the light. And so anyone who has that testimony is a part of us. It's not about a role, you know, it's not about um, who brought you into the light. That's really irrelevant. Like, the point is you're in the light now. Um, and so when you look at it, even so Jesus being the light of the world, at least that's the claim that he makes. <laughs> um, he, he is doing his thing. And then just, there's a whole bunch of people that are just walking in that. There was even while Jesus was on earth, there was people who were casting out demons in his name right. who were not a part of the disciples and they wanted mm -hmm. to stop it. And Jesus like, no, if they're not against you, if they're not against you, mm -hmm. they're for you. See, the assumption is if you don't see hostility, if they're not trying to stop you, they're not tearing you down, assume they're a friend. Assume you're mm -hmm. on the same side. Don't assume that you're not, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, what has happened is um, as the followers of Christ began to grow, um, eventually they got hijacked. That's ultimately what happened. They got hijacked. And so it, it became a brand. It became a social brand. Mm -hmm. And I hate the Christian brand. If I fight against anything, it's this Christian brand. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that because whenever you deal with branding, um, not saying branding is bad, but when you're dealing with Christian branding, the issue with that is Christian branding leads to salvation and condemnation. Mm -hmm. So if you don't fit the brand, you're condemned. Um, if you fit the brand, then you're saved. The problem is the brand can be manipulated. And mm -hmm. so I can look like the brand and that not be who I am. Yeah. And I can have a false sense of salvation um, because I'm walking in the brand, but not actually walking in the light, which is what we were supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I want to do, what I believe church should be, and what I'm working on is helping people authentically walk in their light in whatever form that may be. Mm -hmm. And so um, if I use the illustration of, you know, um, the body of Christ is what Christians like to talk about, right? My, my particular brand, for lack of a better term, is being like the T cells where we don't reside in any particular organ. We're like mm. just flowing throughout the body, um, doing what we have to do wherever we go. My biology sermon. You know, I, mean? I, I, I might share that link with y'all because it's like, you know, you, you can't demonize the, the stomach for being the stomach. You can't demonize the heart for being the heart. Uh, we need those. <laughs> like, <laughs> we literally need those. And so to demonize somebody for, for walking in their life different from you hurts you because right. the various variations is necessary. 
you just need to find what part of the body you belong to and then mm. flourish there. And so what I do is I help people find, I try to, I try to help people find what part of the body they should be a part of based on their personality, based on their season and recognizing since we're not actually, you know, stomachs and hearts that we can evolve and be a, another part of the body. And that's not, that doesn't mean that your previous experience was false. Mm. It doesn't mean that you weren't walk, walking in light until you got to this season of your life. It just means within your experience in the light, you are growing and evolving. Um, mm. And that's completely okay. Having people to have that peace because as social beings, we need the community to have that confirmation to walk in a certain level of peace. As much as we want to be like, I don't need nobody, X, Y, Z. Right, right. The reality is we need, we need each other. We need somebody mm-hmm. to be like, it's okay. So, I'm here to help people who are walking the light, let them know. Because the problem, and I'm, now I might be rambling a little bit, but the problem with current ch- church culture is they'll have people feel like they're walking in darkness simply because they don't fit the brand. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? And so here I come. I'm coming simply to be like, no, 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 that's not darkness. That's just not them. And right. that's okay. Right. I don't want you to think you're in the darkness. Exists. There's, there is darkness. You're not in darkness. Because of, you know, kind of like what Carl was saying, the love, the, the, the peace, the intention. This is light that we're dealing with. Right. You're just not them. And so since you're not them, they think you're darkness. But the good news is the light came into the world and they didn't even understand the light when the light Ooh. came. Ooh. So you don't have to, like, <laughs> feel... You know, you're, you're literally walking in the likeness of Christ, which is more mm. evident that this is light that you're walking in. So that's mm. that's what I do. And I think that church, ultimately, if I'm successful, people will be confident to to let their light shine, mm. that men may see their good works and glorify their father. Yes. Yes. Whew. Man, I love that, man. Somebody play the music. Yeah, right. Where's the appeal? <laughs> Where's the appeal? That's it. That's it. That's all we need. No, because that's real, man. Like it's especially as you break down the idea that in so many ways we have confused this brand as being salvific. And mm-hmm. um I think what kind of catches me the both is that yes, the, the, the condemnation side. That's big. That's key of condemning mm-hmm. the many people who don't fit in line with the brand. But I also think that there are people who do fit with the brand, but that's it. And so they have not actually truly, you know, salvation is much bigger than just saying I'm saved in the world that is to come. Salvation right. is supposed to have relevant and an empowered life today. But exactly. a lot of people, they just pick up the brand. You know what I'm saying? They just yeah. pick up the trappings of Christianity, but they don't experience transformative life in the here and now. Yeah. And I feel like that's, to me, that's just as dangerous. It's like, man, it's sad when mm-hmm. you're condemning people who are finding light, but it's also sad when it's like the emperor's new clothes. You know what I'm saying? You got people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think they fully clothed and like, I'm good. I, I got all this stuff that Christians are supposed to have. And it's like, yo, you're missing out on, that's why I like what you said, Carl, like you're missing out on how unconditional the love of God truly mm-hmm. is. Right. Like sometimes right. when I sit and I talk with people and the way that they speak about God and they speak about the father, it breaks my heart because I'm like, man, like you really don't see that he loves you. Like just as who you are right now, because they have this mentality that has really just kind of been picked up from the Christian brand rather than 
being called out into the light. Yeah, go ahead. Not just picked up. Oh, I'm sorry, Carl. Were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, y'all know that there's only one right way to live came from. <laughs> I give you one yes. Come on, help me out. <laughs> it's a Roman Catholic church. Oh, of course. Yeah. Pope Innocent. <laughs> There it is. And no, she's Saxons. Yeah, she's speaking facts. She's speaking facts. <laughs> and I would even argue that because you said we just picked up the brand. We didn't just pick up the brand. They forced it on us. They they made it where we're not stayed. You're not. It doesn't matter what you were. It doesn't matter that you were fighting with depression and now you have a reason to live. It doesn't matter uh, that you were fighting with suicidal thoughts and somebody came and you felt a comfort to say, no, not today. Let me fight another day. Um, it doesn't matter that you want had no type of value system and now all of a sudden life even other people's lives matter to you none of that stuff matters if you don't look like me and walk like me and talk Mm -hmm. like me the work of god is not complete in you yet and that is taught you know what i mean we don't just pick that up so so i have to memorize certain scriptures i have to sing certain songs um i have to dress a certain way uh until i do these things there's still Christ is still working on me. And I hear it all the time. Like when people be cussing and they'll cuss and be like, yo, Christ is still working on me. I'm like, what if, what if that's you? What if like, like what if real though? Because you know, that colorful language, some things just doesn't, it won't hit without right. certain words being used. And, and the, the church just wants to convince you that that's darkness because they haven't accepted or even sexual freedom. Another big one, right? Mm. Where, you know, especially for do, women, especially for women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm do another video on this another day. But this idea, like people think they're, they're struggling with lust when they're not. They're just sexual beings who mm. like sex. That's not lust, you know what I mean? And so, but because the church has a, a brand of what, how sex should be. And so, and so my point is, I would be okay with the brand if it was serving them, bringing them closer to God. But the problem is the brand has become a distraction. Mm-hmm. And so they can't even find God because the brand has become the goal, not God. And I would even call the brand a barrier. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it just a distraction. I would call it a barrier between God and the people who need God the most, people who are desperately seeking light Mm -hmm. and being actively pushed away from Mm -hmm. that bothers me. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. So then what does this community look like in terms of the impact that it will have on the world? You know what I'm saying? Like if we have a community now that, is of the called out ones who are walking in the light, who are walking without judgment one for another, and really are just kind of respecting wherever each person is on their journey. Mm-hmm. What difference does that make? Does that body, I guess you could say, have on the world? And when I say the world, really, I just mean America, because that's, that's our context. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> what difference does that have like in the, in the here and now? This is something that I've been increasingly convicted of, and I may, it's still a work in progress, I haven't even thought all the way through, so I'll say what I have, if anything develops then. Um, but I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Milk, about Harvey Milk. I haven't, break it down. Um, so Harvey Milk was, um, 
he was a gay man living in San Francisco, and I think he ran for like city commissioner. Um, he ran for some city office in San Francisco, um, representing the Castro, which was the gay area of San Francisco. And gay men from across the country came there for you know, just, just to be in a safe space and for community and things like that. Um, and so he ran several different times and because he was gay, this is the seventies, like it, he was unsuccessful. Um, but at one point, I want to say it was proposition eight and this was bigger than just Harvey Milk, but it's in the movie Milk about Harvey Milk. Um, I believe it was proposition eight and they, I think that they were saying that they didn't want teachers who were homosexual or something. There was something like, some, it was some sort of discriminatory law against gay people. Um, and the religious right was pushing it. Um, and they came to push it in California specifically because of places like San Francisco. Um, and so Hardy Milk, the reason why I'm saying all this is because Hardy Milk in, you know, galvanizing people together to fight the passing of this bill told people that they need to come out. Mm. And people, because at this, at this time, a lot of people were still in the closet and stuff. And was like, you need to come out. And everybody's like, you're a nut. Like, if I come out, I'm going to lose my job. He's like, no. These people need to know that their post, their mail carrier is gay. Their butcher is gay. The people that they interact with on a day-to-day basis, a lot of them are gay. And it's people that they like, it's people that they're friends with, you know, family members, people who they think, sorry, that was my mom. <laughs> it's people that they like, people that they're friends with, um, you know, who are gay. It's not other. It's not some random pedophile or whatever you think about homosexuals over here. It's your friends and neighbors and people who you spend time with every single day. Um, and it's these people that you're trying to discriminate against. And I'm using that as an example because what I've been convicted of is I think that people need to come out. Mm. I think we need to, and this is something I'm working she on preaching, with guys. myself. <laughs> 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 I think we need to, I think this community has the potential to free people to be their authentic selves and to journey in the light mm. openly and honestly and transparently because church scares people into hiding who they really are and struggling with whatever is happening inside. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about mental illness. I'm talking Mm. about, um, you know, fear. I'm talking about, you know, wanting a relationship with God, but not knowing about, not knowing how to go about having that and being too afraid to admit that you don't have the tools because you're supposed to already have it together. Um, All of this stuff is going on beneath the surface and everybody's coming to church every single week. And this is in Christendom as a whole, not denominations. People are coming to church every single week, you know, fresh press, looking good, acting like everything is okay. And you got to hold it together hours on Saturday or Sunday and then you go on about your business and you know whatever is happening in the dark is still happening and you're terrified of it coming to the light um, and, and so that's what keeps you in bondage and I think yes. especially for me because even when I was living 
what happened for me when I, I knew I couldn't be Adventist anymore and at a different, different point I couldn't be Christian anymore. I mean, I knew that there were certain things I didn't believe, but I was terrified to say it um, because I'd already been judged and I didn't want to keep dealing with it. Um, there were things about my life, like having a child out of wedlock and, you know, having sex before marriage, living with my husband before we got married, feeling like all of these things disqualified me from leading, disqualified me from being honest about, you know, what I believe God has called me to do. Um, and it was, it was finding, you know, my worth in God not despite that stuff, but because I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And everybody, there's nobody in ministry anywhere who has it together. Nobody in ministry anywhere or in the church anywhere who is doing everything, you know, right according to somebody else's standards. Mm -hmm. And, and not only do we need to abolish, you know, the standard, but we need to abolish the fear of just being honest about who you are and being authentic and, and being transparent, I shouldn't have to hide it. Um, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to feel like you know me being who I am. If, if it's good enough for God, I shouldn't feel like it's not good enough mm. for anybody else. And I think mm. you know, just just freeing people um, and and giving them room to just be. Um, I think just in their lives, it allows them to be healthier. But on a spiritual level, it frees them to experience God without any of the extra stuff and without limiting God to who someone else has decided God is. Right. Um, and 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 the the other side of that is that the the body of believers expands, and and as you have, you know, more and more perspective on on things, then your ability to address the issues and to provide practical solution grows because you can only solve as much of a problem as you can see of it. And if you're stuck in the heart and there's a problem in the foot, right. the heart is not positioned to be able to deal with whatever is going on down there. You can't mm. see it, especially if you're not communicating and you're right. not acting in, cohe in cohesion as one body. Um, but if these parts are coming together, despite their differences, they're coming together and they're, they're able to say like, hey, this is going on over here. We need you to do this and we need you to do this and we need you to do this. And if y'all all play your roles, then this issue over here can get fixed. Yes. So then we yes. start functioning better together as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yes. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, I think that there's far reaching implications of, of the positivity that can be achieved. And ultimately, I think for me, like the, the bottom, bottom, bottom line <laughs> is I want to change the narrative about who God is. I want people to internalize that God is infinity. Mm. And you can't limit infinity to one person or one group's perspective. And I want people to, you know, just grasp grasp the value. And I want to foster curiosity. I want people to. I want you to be curious and excited about learning as much as you can about infinity. Infinity, understanding that it's, you know, a, a work of an eternity, and even that won't be enough to understand everything. Right. But like, I want to know as much as I can know. Yeah. I want to yeah. have as much of yeah. the truth as I can possibly have, and I want to live in the fullness of who I can be. Whoever yes. that that person is, I want to constantly grow and evolve into the best version of myself that that God. God has enabled the realm of possibility for me. I want that. And I want, you know, other people to know that that's a thing and that it's available to them if they're open to taking the journey. And it's not easy, but that's what you have people for. That's what that community 
is supposed to be there for, for the support and for the encouragement and to hold you accountable to the extent that you need to be held accountable to reach the goals that you feel God is impressing on you and convicting you to reach. It's not about other people telling you what you should or should not be doing. It's supposed to be about you, whatever season you're in, being intentional about unlearning and learning whatever it is that God wants for you to do because God only knows what God is equipping you for mm. in the future. And yeah. so it shouldn't be about other people and, and that community should should act as you know, a conduit, a facilitator to constantly push you back to yes. God, not being presumptive, not making assumptions, not projecting onto you, but constantly pushing you back, pushing yes. you back to the source, keeping yes. you, yes. keeping you locked in on the source always. Yes. And just yes. being present and being there for you and loving you. Um, and I think I think there's so much positive change on so many levels that could happen in the world if we can get people, <laughs> you know, just to buy in, buy into the journey and not, not be afraid to take it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you hit it in the head. It's really, I'm going to pull a page even from your book. Like, until you've seen what love can do, you may not fully understand the impact love has on the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, when you consider light versus darkness, light is undefeated. Mm -hmm. in, in the fight against light and darkness, light is undefeated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Light, light never loses, right? And so right. Um, when you talk about impact, practical impact, I'll give you an example. Um, my fourth child um, spent the first the first year of his life and most of the first year of his life in the hospital in the first year of his life, he spent 222 days in the hospital. Wow. Right. While he was in the hospital. Um, I mean, I could go on a, a lot about the hospital. Well, one of the things that I mean, Abby are very intentional about when we go to the hospital is being, being the light in the hospital mm. because whoever is servicing our child is also servicing other people's children. Mm -hmm. And because of HIPAA laws, they can't talk about what they just came from. Mm -hmm. But because we're human, whatever they just came from is going to impact where they're going. Yeah. It's a fact. Yeah, and we're conscious of that. At least I'm, I am extremely conscious of that. And so when they walk into my room, I want to be sure that I am the brightest I can be just in case they came from a very dark space, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what that does, though, is, number one, I see the difference in care that we get simply because we're, we're shining, right? Yeah. So the biggest one is a particular doctor who was a very difficult doctor. Um, this, this doctor almost, almost seemed heartless, but I know this doctor was not heartless mm. um, because I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a gift or something, but I've learned that the, the hardest people are the hurtest people really, mm. you know? Um, and so making decisions that I felt were detrimental to my child, having to defend my child, but also shine, right? Mm -hmm. So now it becomes really practical in the sense of, am I, is the light not gonna work here? Is this a place where I need to fight darkness with darkness? Mm. And so I was like, no, I'm going to shine and I'm going to defend my child. And that's exactly what I did, that's exactly what Abby did. Me and Abby will talk, we'll pray, we'll breathe, and then we'll shine. We're not gonna do that, that's not good for my child. We'll get a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance. And we'll, we'll shine and we'll talk. Anyway, 
months later, this same doctor became one of our greatest allies in the hospital. Wow. I've seen the shift. And, you know, because modern Christianity doesn't claim victory if they don't get somebody in their pews. Mm -hmm. I claim victory when I see a a shift. Like, there was darkness here. It shifted. The light won. You know what I mean? And so when we can understand that... It's not about converting people to join whatever it is that we have, but about making shifts in their life so when they go home, they're brighter now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the power when we fully right. embrace what the church can be. I right. may never see them again, but right. when they go home, they're brighter. Yes. And so whatever darkness was there, it's going to be defeated because right. they're brighter now. They have on right. more light. That's for me, that's the victory. That's the impact. We right. are yet to see it. And, and I'm a personal believer. Look, for anyone who, who I pastor for real, you know, people have big dreams, big dreams. And I tell them, well, I don't care about your big dreams in the world if I don't see it in your house. Mm. Like okay, you want you want you want to help people love each other. Okay, well, how's your marriage? That's right. Uh, what's going on between your family members? Mm-hmm. So, like, let, let before you help these people learn how to love each other, learn learn to love the ones in your house. Like mm-hmm. it has to it has to start there because if you can't if it's not strong enough for your home, it's not strong enough for the world. That's right. You know, and so for me, the impact is is evident when it's actually lived and constantly experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. I agree with that 100%. Woo, it's practical. And it's real. <laughs> it's so practical, Jay. I mean, and maybe just because of my experience, I've seen, I've seen people light up. I've seen them, like, mm. be heavy and dark. I've seen people's lives change from I'm useless, I'm nothing, to I have value. I don't have to accept this. I've seen it, you know? And I might not post it. I don't think it needs to be posted. I'm glad their lives have changed. It's not about, you know what I mean? Um, I've seen people give up. I've seen them give up. I've had people who would call me and say, I'm mad I woke up today. Mm. Like, why did, why did God wake me up for me to continue to go through this? I've seen wow, it. Wow. Only to, for it to change and eventually say, I'm glad I'm still here. Wow. You know, I've seen it for myself. Yeah. So it's very, very practical. Yeah. And I've seen it and experienced it myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's why it's like, I'm always, I used to get frustrated and angry, but now I get sad. Mm-hmm when and I feel pity when people are like love but because it's like you don't you don't know mm-hmm. you have no idea mm-hmm. what you're missing out on and mm-hmm. and you're trying to especially when they're trying to minister and trying to be relevant to other people um and I think to an extent I still get annoyed when I see people trying to minister and doing damage Yes. Um, (laughs) Because they they haven't experienced the light and don't recognize that they experienced the light or they haven't experienced it and they're unwittingly um, facilitating darkness. And then they get upset when you try to tell them that they're facilitating darkness. I spoke about that this week and I told my congregation, I'm like, if you're not careful, you'll be out here, you know, as a spiritual WMB. Yeah, mm. you know you're out here, you know mm. wreaking havoc oh, in yep. God's name, and, yep. and 
completely unaware. Yep. yep. And 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 this is the only Jesus that people are seeing. Like you don't like and, and you're blaspheming his name among the nations. Mm. And no <laughs> no concept that that's what's happening. Yeah. Um and yeah, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going back to what you were saying, Car, about how, you know, the beauty of what we can have in a relationship with God is that he is infinite or Yahweh is infinite, you know. Right. We, all the names. Right, right. Listen, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, whatever we're going <laughs> like, to. Yeah. Right. I just say God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like <laughs> the maker is infinite, right? Because even that's even that's a limitation. All of it, right. human it language is, is a limitation. <laughs> we we do the best we can. Exactly. We do the, we do the best. Exactly. We can. Oh, but um, a lot of people fear experiencing or exploring that space or exploring mm-hmm. that truth because of experiences that they've had before. You know, because those who have come walked in their life and have given them an example of the Father who is judgmental, who is harsh, who is terrifying. And so they don't believe that, um, that if I expose myself before the Father, if I expose myself and say, this is who I am, this is authentically all that I am, there is that same fear that, um, you know, we see Adam have at the very beginning, like Adam and Eve have at the very beginning, like I had to hide, I heard you walking in the garden, so I had to go run and hide. Right. You know, because we forget the fact that this is an infinite love that nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing that you are is going to change. Mm-hmm. And so that fear of walking in the light is literally a fear of go walking to the light because the light is going to expose all of me. Right. Mm-hmm. That verse in, I think it's in John 3, where it's like men love the darkness rather than the light. Because, mm-hmm. right, Lawrence, you know John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying it right. Yeah, where, where they love the darkness rather than the light because they because their deeds are wicked is what Jesus said. And there's some truth to that. And, and one of the reasons why there's work that has to be done is because Christianity has made people fear God in the sense of they believe that what God wants to do is wipe you away for all the wrong that you've done. Right. And even the story in Genesis, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Number one, I don't think we understand the awesomeness of God, right? How big he is, how, or, you know, how big she is, whatever. Right. Like God is, (laughs) God is huge. So when, so when, when Adam and Eve sinned and you find God reducing God to us, to the a state where God can now walk on earth. Mm-hmm. The right. intentions was not destruction. Right. right. That was not the intention. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? And so right there, even from the from the quote unquote first sin, mm-hmm. you obviously you you can see clearly if you remove all of the religious whatever, you can see clearly that when God shows up. The first intention is not destruction. All right, so I'm going to cut it here for today. Um, I'm telling you where this conversation is going. It's about to go even deeper as we discuss the the nature and character of God. So please, once again, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you look out for the next episode. Throw up your comments, your insights, whatever questions that you may have. I'm excited for this journey, y'all. And I'm just grateful to have you be a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, taking out the time. And I'll see y'all next week.